Hello everyone. I'm Sashwat Sahu and I have my colleague Oscar Bader from Munich, Germany for our Sassy Talk podcast where we speak with startup founders, SaaS community members and venture capitalists across the globe. Today's episode is titled Glimpses into the Korean startup ecosystem and we have our guest Jonathan Moore, SaaS Talk city leader at Seoul as well. And first off, welcome to our final episode of this year's podcast series Jonathan You're very active in your Seoul startup ecosystem, and uh, we'd love to know more, more about you and your journey so far. So I first came to South Korea in 2006, um, which was 14 years ago. Uh, I, I kind of came back and forth, actually, back to the U.S. So uh, I've been here total about 12 years, uh, you know, discounting some of the time traveling and stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of fell in love. I never expected to be here that long. I was originally coming here uh, after university just as a kind of a gap year and kind of you know try to see a new place a new region of the world and uh, I ended up really liking it and what I do now is you know I help startups so I, I started my first startup back in 2013 I joined my partner who was uh, in ed tech education technology and we, we started out really small we had a, a team of about just eight or nine people Uh, we were trying to build an app uh, to help the locals, uh, Koreans, learn better English. You know, English education industry is massive. It's a massive market in East Asia, uh, including Japan, China, Taiwan, and Korea. And we were looking, you know, to get a piece of that. And so we made some apps to help learn business English. And then we expanded into Mandarin and Spanish. And uh, we did that for several years. Um, it was, you know, somewhat successful. And then ultimately it, it did fail, which, you know, is great for learning, right? It's, it's everyone says that's the best way to learn. And it's true. So that was my first really experience in the startup world. Uh, I then ended up doing marketing for a few other companies and agencies. And then I went back into startups uh, to join uh, an acceleration project with the government here in, in South Korea. And so I was in charge of a pre-accelerator here. That was about a million dollar project. And the goal was to help Korean startups join global accelerators outside of the country. And so I was helping them with that. Uh, I got involved with another startup at that time as well. And uh, we went through Techstars and and now I'm at uh, PowerPT now. And what we do is pretty much similar things. So we create innovation programs to help startups. Clients are government organizations or corporate organizations, and we help them with their startups, whether that means They are joining a global event or program, or we are creating the event for them. But ultimately, the goal is to help startups grow and become more successful. And um, and that's what I do. I, I've been here for two, two and a half years. Uh, we started a, um, a pitch event called Podium Star that we're really proud about, helping startups with their messaging, helping them uh, achieve, receive investment and get more customers. And then we ended up working with SaaS Stock earlier this year, really, um, And, you know, put on a few events, as you guys know. And here we are at the end of 2020 and seeing what 2021 will hold for us. So you've been very active in the Korean startups ecosystem. Can you tell us a little bit about the Korean startup SASAN ecosystem? Any big players there based on your experience? So SAS hasn't really taken off, you know, as in other countries and other regions of the world. Korea is more well known for other industries. Hardware, for example or fintech, biotech, but SaaS, it's kind of just now starting to really 
uh, people are starting to really understand what SaaS is. You know, in the startup industry, some people still are not quite sure what it is. And so that's what we're trying to do is trying to educate people. But th there are a few SaaS startups, you know, of course. I would say maybe the, perhaps the most successful one is one called Sendbird. What I know about them is they pitched at Slush 100 in uh, Finland uh, maybe four or five years ago. And I think they won, or they at least won the top three or so. And then they ended up joining Techstars. And then after that, they joined uh, YC. And so they have had a lot of support, a lot of global support and mentoring. And they've really done well. They've relocated from Korea to uh, Silicon Valley. And they're basically a chat API. And so they're helping businesses you know, communicate with their customers. That, that is the one that I think might have the most value as far as Korean SaaS startups. There's another similar one called Jandi. Well, Jandi is the uh, brand name. The company behind it is called Toss Lab. And they do a similar, have a similar service. So they're also a messaging, you know, messaging collaboration tools for the workplace. So these two types of startups are starting to, to kind of well, well known, not just in Korea, but even in, in the U.S., but other than that, there's not many that really come to my mind. Um, all of the unicorns in Korea, which there are 12 of last count, none of them are SaaS, really. So there is food delivery. Uh, there is fintech. You know, there, there's all sorts of e-commerce. But, but SaaS, you know, that's not, there hasn't been a, a unicorn yet. So it's a hard question to answer since there's not so many SaaS, well-known SaaS start, uh, startups here. But, but there are still definitely dozens of SaaS startups. They're just not at that level yet uh, for global recognition. And I think that's super interesting because that's something you want to push yourself, right? With your events you currently run at SaaS Talk, I think that's a great idea to push those events to get this SaaS industry more going. You, you mentioned it's just in the beginning. So what about the startup ecosystem there? Is it more developed in Korea? Can you tell us a little bit about, about that? Definitely. So yeah, for the first part of your question, you know, that is something we're trying to, to, to develop SaaS, you know, because... The Korean startup ecosystem is growing and it is pretty well uh, developed already. But if more people will figure out more about SaaS and create more SaaS business models, it's going to be a boom for the Korean startup ecosystem because, you know, it's easy to scale. But Korea in general, the startup ecosystem has really grown quickly over the past several years. To describe this, I think it would be actually beneficial to go back in time and talk about how fast things happen in Korea in general. So... South Korea, look at Seoul, for example. If you Google an image of, of Gangnam in the 1950s, now, many of you know what Gangnam is from the song Gangnam Style, but Gangnam is a, uh, a very wealthy area of Seoul. So if you Google a, a photo of Gangnam in the 1950s, you'll see nothing but rice paddies. Uh, and then you Google a, a photo of Gangnam in 2020, you know, 70 years later, it, it's like one of the most developed areas in the world. So this rapid and continuous change is, is normal in, in Korea. Whereas in the past, it wasn't such a developed country. It really rapidly became one of the most modern countries in the world. You know, nowadays, it is uh, the number 12 economy. Whereas if you go back 40 years or so, it was in the bottom, very, very bottom of the world. North Korea was above it. Um, but there have been so many changes. And just living here myself, I've noticed so many changes in the past 14 years. Um, you know, businesses it, are super competitive. So with that competitive landscape, you'll see businesses rise and fall. 
but things overall improve for the customer, for, for us living here. Even though things fail, something better pops up. And that's because the population here is really sophisticated and demanding. You've got a highly developed infrastructure. You've got a highly educated population. I think it's number one in the OECD as far as high school graduates. 70% of the population has a college education, 95% smartphone penetration. This is all within a very small area. You know, the South Korea is not a huge country. Uh, half the population lives in Seoul. And so you have so much competition that things continuously improve and just uh, develop further. So when I first came, I, don't, I didn't even know what the word startup was. I hadn't heard of that in 2006. And nowadays, if you look up the number one cities that rank in innovation, I think it was six years in a row, you would find Seoul. And that only changed this year. This year, I think it was somewhere in Germany was ranked number one. That was either the country or the, or the city. I can't remember. But from 2013 to 19 or so, it was always Seoul or Korea. And then this year it was Germany. Um, and, and Seoul is still number two. And then the number of unicorns, it, Korea ranks number five in the world uh, with 12 unicorns. The only ones above it really are the US, China, India, and the UK. And that's really impressive for a country that is so small geographically, but also that was just 40 years ago was one of the poorest countries in the world. So I think that's really, really interesting. And yeah, I mean, you look at the amount of what they've done with the amount of time given to them um, as far as being a developed country. And that's really impressive, I think. Um, you've got these global brands, Samsung, Hyundai, LG, and then you've got lots of well-known unicorns as well. For many people who don't know, Coupang is their number one most valuable unicorn. That's an e-commerce site similar to Amazon. The founder is Korean-American. Uh, we've got Toss, which is a fintech a startup. Uh, Yanolja is accommodation booking. Socar, which is uh, renting cars. And Crafton Games. Crafton is the new name for what used to be called Blue Hole, and they they're in, they're the you know owners of Players Unknown Battlegrounds and, and other games like that, and, there, and there's many other, but those I think are some of the most interesting ones to me personally. But yeah, there's lots of support from the government. I think it was uh, the government is spending between one to two billion dollars a year in helping startups with support. That that can be grants or it could be um, in any number of uh, of support programs. But, but yeah, that is the current state of the Korean startup ecosystem. You know, it's, it's now definitely up there with, the, you know, any other major city in the world, I believe. Um, and it's only going to be improving even more in the next few years. I'm really excited to see where this startup ecosystem in Korea is, is going. But what I would like to know, Jonathan, you mentioned you had a startup and you help people to, to learn business English. So I remember I once downloaded this app and I wanted to learn Korean. And I gave it about two weeks and I had no chance at all. So what about you? Do you, do you speak Korean too? I, I do speak Korean. You know, it's, I'm not at a native level by any means, but being here for so long, of course, I, I've picked up things. In my company, we do speak Korean in the office for, for business. Uh, when I meet clients, we usually speak in, in English because of the different kinds of, you know, um, programs that we're doing. For me, my daily life outside of my home, I speak Korean, right? If, if you're getting by, if you don't speak Korean here, things will be more difficult because the, you know, there's not high levels of English speaking here. Uh, that is changing. That is improving. But compared to places, you know, in Europe, for example, or in Southeast Asia, in India, you're not going to find the same levels of, of English speakers. 
Um, and that's going to be really similar to other countries in East Asia as well, like Japan and China. So you, you will be able to survive here without Korean, but you will have a much, much more comfortable life and higher quality of, of life if you do speak the language and you're able to order food, customize things that you need to get done for ordering deliveries, these sorts of things. And of course, just you know, basic conversations with people to really understand the culture to understand the people better, of course, you know, it's always going to be better to learn the language. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have been interested when I first came to, to take a few courses to, you know, speak it. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know if I would be as happy if I wasn't able to speak Korean with, with people around me. So you mentioned about Sandbird, right? So I, I know for sure that they were California based, but I did not know that uh, they had their origins from Seoul as well. I mean, they have their APAC uh, headquarters in Seoul. So I was very curious as to, uh, do you have a lot of uh, startup folks in these companies which are very global in nature? Do they have to learn their local language like uh, Korean as well? Or their English is actually being communicated in offices or pan-world conversations as well? Because SaaS companies usually have bases and customers in all parts of the world. And a company like Sunbird uh, for sure would be communicating with their all stakeholders in English. So what, what, what I've realized is the teams that really are able to go global, they usually have founders who do speak English. You know, they're usually more educated in a way where they've maybe spent some time abroad or they've been, they've learned English in school growing up. You know, that doesn't, that isn't always true. It's not always true that, you know, the founder has to speak fluent English in order to, to make it as a, as a global startup. But you do see that, you know, the percentages are higher when you look at those. So Sinbird, I know that at least one or multiple founders do speak English fluently. And so that definitely helps those teams. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to get recognition at Slash 100 or to join programs like Techstars and YC without the abilities to speak English. The teams that I consult, there's a mix. There are some that are, you know, the founders are English speakers and, you know, I can see them doing well in foreign markets. There are some teams where the founders, perhaps they might be a bit older or they don't speak English. What they'll usually do is they'll hire a junior level person to, to be their marketing manager or, or you know, something like that. And they're the ones who are the you know communicator with these global programs. Those kinds of startups see less success, in my opinion. If they're relying on someone who's not a founder to be the liaison and you know to join accelerating programs in their, in their stead, I don't think they're going to appreciate those programs and they're not going to learn from them, right? If, if, if you're going to send your junior level employee to a pitching competition or to join an accelerator in Europe or in the US or in Singapore or wherever, the founders aren't going to benefit from this experience at all. It's just going to be that person who goes. And so those kinds of teams have potential, but if the founder is not the one benefiting, then I, I don't see the point in that kind of program. You know, but that doesn't mean that those kind of um, startups will fail. Um, a good example is there's a startup here called Pedra Minjo, and the company uh, in front of that is called uh, the Ua Brothers. That is um, food delivery. And I've met the CEO a year or two ago. He, he, I think he was learning English, but he's, you know, he was not able to converse really. And very nice guy though. And I mean, they were acquired by Delivery Hero for, I don't remember how it was, a 4 billion? It was, it was a large amount. They were, I think the 11th or 12th startup um, unicorn here in Korea before they were acquired by Delivery Hero, uh, which is a German company. 
you know, so there's an example of a CEO who maybe doesn't speak English, but has surrounded himself with staff who do and was able to achieve great success. And they've now been able to do uh, interesting projects in Southeast Asia as well. So I don't think they have to speak English, but I think it definitely helps because those are the teams that generally come from certain a certain cloth, right? They have a certain educational background. They have a certain, you know, certain skills behind them. So yeah, that's the easiest way to answer your question, I think. Concluding, we would love to ask a final person question to you as well. Like, uh, are there any specific business books you are a big fan of or you would recommend to our audience? And if you would like to share any of your insights from those, because you speak fluent English and uh, there's a lot of English business uh, business novels and uh, books that are very famous globally as well. There are a lot of books that I um, have in my my Kindle that I haven't even gotten around to reading. I mean, I've got so many and I'm going to leave some of those out because those are the ones that you can find on Amazon. You know, things like the Lean Startup Zero to One, you know, I, I'll leave those uh, for other people to find. But there's one that your audience probably may not know about. And this is a book I read in my MBA, which I did here in Korea. And it kind of goes back to what I mentioned about Korea's success in, you know, developing itself really, really quickly over the past 70 years. And it's called The Strategy for Korea's Economic Success. And it's written by Hui Chang Moon, who was one of my MBA professors. And it's super, super interesting. Um, it's a great use case for how an organization with, you know, Korea as a country, it is a type of organization, right? To show how a country can can improve rapidly in a short amount of time. It's it's really interesting to read. And so if, you, if you're interested in Korea and their rapid success, that's a great book to read, to see where they came from, what changes they made, what struggles they went through, uh, the failures they went through to, to be to where they are now uh, in, you know, a top 15 economy in the world. Um, and again, that's called the strategy for Korea's economic success. Excellent. We'll look into that. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Jonathan. Uh, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and our listeners as well. Happy New Year 2021. Hopefully this new year would be way better than the year just went by. And uh, that's it from our end. Oscar, any uh, final remarks from your end? Merry Christmas to you all. And Jonathan, thank you very much for joining. Thanks again for having me, guys.